So welcome to the Growing Faith podcast slash Green Pines question and answer. I guess we should just call this the Green Pi- Growing Faith. That's just yeah podcast. Way too long a title. Let's go with Growing right. Faith podcast. <laughs> so yeah. this is the Growing Faith podcast, also posted in video format on Facebook and YouTube and whatnot, what have you. Um, and so today we're talking about this past week's sermon. Um, and service where last Sunday it was Palm Sunday, and so we were looking at the triumphal entry on through to um, Jesus' time in the temple, um, and then ultimately conversation or his authority being questioned by the Pharisees. Um, and so the first thing you talked about was Jesus as King, and so we talked about the triumphal entry where they were honoring Jesus as King, and that's even shown by like putting down the cloaks and things like that. That was to pay homage to a king, um, and then moving in from there to Jesus as a disruptor. And so that's something that we you brought out isn't something we all, always think about when we think about who Jesus is. But Jesus is a disruptor, and I think we would even say that he's continuing to disrupt today. In what ways is he continuing to disrupt? Yeah, well, you know, I think personally uh, we could probably look back over our life and track record and see some of the great, biggest growth times also happen in personal disruption. Uh, we don't always call it that. We may call it adversity or stress or, or something like that. But at the heart of it is our life's got disrupted. Now what's unique is that we've got this worldwide disruption. Uh, and then as a church and churches across the country and every, other places, we all are going through something very similar um, and, and it's a disrupting our norm. We don't like that. We're losing things, but we're also gaining some things. And, and when we coin Jesus as the disruptor, one, we're seeing from whom it comes from, that Jesus is in control. It's not just subject to various circumstances, but Jesus is the one doing that. And I think I find comfort in that, knowing that he's behind that. And if he is behind it, that there's a purpose in it. And so instead of just bemoaning the changes and hating what's happening, why don't we just start looking to see how is Jesus working in this and helping us? So, I mean, when we talk about disrupting the church, there's a lot of things that we can look at. Some are hard, some are very good that we're seeing changing right now. And so with that, one of the things um, you talked about in your sermon was that ultimately the church isn't a place. And so oftentimes we'll refer to this building as being the house of God, um, but it isn't just in and of itself a place. Ultimately, the church is a people. Um, it is the body of Christ. And so ultimately, the way that God builds his kingdom is through people. And so we're now in the season of life where we're in quarantine, right? Or, you know, we're going to limit how often we're around people, even like for coming to church. We only come here for days where we need to record things. Um, it's kind of for around essential times. And so in these seasons where it's much, we don't have the, as much person-to-person connection, how do we continue to be the church and to build the kingdom in yeah. this season of life? Yeah, you know, we have a saying that in Christ we're a family together. Uh, and one of the things I've been leaning on is in Christ, not in the building anymore, not in proximity even, um, but in Christ. And so the Spirit of Christ is at work in our hearts. We're praying for one another. I think that's a big part of, of this is that we're praying Christ for one another. Um, and so when we all have mutual goals in our various homes and neighborhoods, uh, you know, when I'm praying for David James or praying for Josh, I, I'm praying the same thing in my life as I'm praying in their life, that Christ would be magnified and uh, that he would take precedent over our will. And so there's the, the motive of our heart, the goals of our life, the, the prayer of one another, the encouragement that we can give still to one another. It's 
you know, fortunately, no one's putting a, a barrier on communication. Um, and so communication still is happening. Um, and, and so that's a powerful thing to be able to be able to call someone up uh, using the technology and things that we've got. And, you know, <laughs> the church has survived much worse throughout the years. I, I think even of, of prisoners uh, in Hanoi and other places with, as folks became followers of Christ, that they would tap on walls. You know, send out messages through other people, and so we, you know, we're pretty blessed. I was just reading uh, an excerpt from Corey Tim Boone of her being in, in the Ravens Buck um, concentration camp, and and just how she learned even and then, and having a community of people together, and so uh, to be able to pray for one another and just check in on one another, help one another out, you know, to give goods, uh, needed things, and so we've got the ability to serve in that way. And, and maybe ways that very closely tied to like acts where um, provisions start to become a question. And, and so we can start giving out of what we have. Um, and so when the New Testament talks about giving one, one another, loving one another, uh, serving one another, providing hospitality looks different. Um, it, it might be to say, I'm going to provide some stuff for you. I'm going to leave it on your front porch and you guys enjoy it. Um, and, and so that's, the spirit can't be stopped in that. And, you know, we got all kinds of scripture that talks about what we can do with the Holy Spirit. And none of them mention pandemics as being a barrier to the Holy Spirit. And so in what ways do you, do you see long-term kind of changes that take place? Because this is forcing us to do church in a very different way. We're doing things differently. There's different, um, you know, from the way Sundays work to the way meetings work, small groups, all these different things. Everything's different. And in a lot of ways, it seems like there's it's bringing kind of to the forefront maybe some areas that need to be changed. Yeah. Um, and so what are some things that you think we could see moving forward that are real benefits from this time where the church had to step back and kind of... Yeah, I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is um, small group discipling, um, mentoring two to three groups, uh, two to three people at the most uh, in a group, you know, our church has emphasized that in the last year or so, and we're seeing that happen. Um, but I think so much of church energy gets absorbed in the large group gathering and the corporate, and that's it's hard to underestimate that. I mean, it's, we're commanded to do that. Uh, but it, so much energy can go toward that, and it's presented as the front door, um, that we don't put energy into the lifeblood, the lifeblood being discipling people uh, even in one to one or one with two others, um, and I, you know, I'm thinking like if our church is going to grow in the spirit, it's going to be because uh, someone is mentoring one or two others, where they're challenged to they in turn mentor one or two others that might not yet be a follower of Christ, um, are certainly in the church, and that's. Um, really the substantial growth that has to happen in a church where the leaders are grown. Um, and so I think that a lot of these things get stripped away. What do we have left? Well, we've got mentoring, discipling um, as, as primary in our church. So uh, for that, I thank God. Um, it's going to force us to do some things that we haven't really made the tired focus. Um, but for if, if this thing goes on for like the 18 months, um, well, I would say this is a season that God has brought to us to focus less on the building, less on the gathering, more on making fruit through people and discipling. Yeah, and I think ultimately there's 
like there's a simplification that's happening too, where you get back to the Great Commission, which has the the basic call is to make disciples, and what that looks like is going as you're going. It looks like teaching them all to obey all that you've command that God's commanded, and baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's a simplification that has to happen, um, where it kind of gets us to what is the main thing, and I think that's something that you could see in the long term um, that has a positive effect. Where um, while Every what's going on in the world is not, you know, there's it's a really scary situation in parts of the country and parts of the world, but ultimately, even these tough situations, God will redeem and work out for good, um, working all things together for good for those that are called um, to His name. And so, finally, last thing I want to talk to, and um, David James, you can allude to this as well if you want, but we have these kind of closing out sayings. Usually, we say, Green Pines, you are sent. Um, and lately, I have very much enjoyed saying Green Pines has left the building. And so could you kind of elaborate on why we say these things? What's kind of at the root of yeah. why we're saying? Well, you know, the one before um, your sent was to imply that the church life isn't just wrapped up in 1030 to 12 on a Sunday morning. Um, it is an encouraging time. It is a worshiping time. Um, it's, it's a time for us to maybe reset and different thinking. And, but while that's for the point of going out and sharing Christ uh, as you go. And so that's the, the Green Pines you're sent. But um, to say that Green Pines has left the building, um, you know, it's a little bit of a, a joke and, and some things, you know, Elvis has left the building or something like that. But even more so theologically, um, you know, Jesus was in the temple and you know, said, you know, there's going to be a day when not one of these stones will be left upon the other. And then he alluded to the temple as himself. He said, if you tear me down in three days, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to raise this temple up again. Um, so he says, it's not the building anymore. It's it's me. It's, it's Jesus. For us now, uh, in Ephesians, it instructs us that we are the temple. We are the building blocks. Um, and so when the temple was destroyed, that was it theologically for a building until there's a new heaven and new earth. Um, and so now it's the people of God to go out. Uh, and so when we say Green Pines has left the building, uh, we're making an acknowledgement. The church never was dependent on a physical structure on 1498 Hodge Road. Um, this is just where a local group of us have centered. Um, but in you know when in Acts he says go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the othermost part of the earth, he says basically saying church leave Jerusalem. Um, they don't leave Jerusalem until there's persecution that happens. Um, a remnant remains, but the rest go out. So for one way to looking at this is like saying hey, we're scattered, and that's not altogether a bad thing. Uh, there is a mission still uh, that's taking place, and to see us. Uh, working together, though in separate locations. And, you know, I was getting reports in China. Buildings have been destroyed. Uh, church buildings have been destroyed in this time of um, the virus. Um, and I thought, wow, isn't it interesting that in China they're experiencing some of the same things that we are in effect feeling. No one's destroying our buildings, but they're not of use to us. Um, it's not altogether bad. Um, doesn't mean we should sell our buildings. We're glad for them and thank God for them. Uh, but this is a God-appointed time. Let's make the most of it and understand we've left the building. But it's okay. We still exist. So anything you wanted to... I guess the thing that I keep on thinking back, even in the earlier conversation, 
is I think this time is beneficial to, to church members here and the church members in the Universal Church, believers. I think it's beneficial for them to show really, you know, the term their true colors, but to show who they are, not just apart from the circumstance of being able to come and gather here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. I think specifically in this state, in this kind of Southern Bible belt, you know, that becomes part of a tradition of this is, you know, we go to soccer practice on Monday night, we go to church on Sunday morning, and we go to youth, uh, youth group and RAs, GAs, gyms on Wednesday night. It becomes part of a tradition of things, which is not altogether a bad thing. Like, I love those traditions to have in place in my life, you know, especially as a believer, you know, that just encourages me, you know, at least two days a week, I'm getting together with other members of the church um, physically. But I think in this time, it really, we have an opportunity to show um, others, you know, via social media that follow us and, you know, know what we're about to know that, like, nothing has changed apart from us just not being able to gather together. And I'm even thinking about, like, you know, extended family. Like, what's your, like, they're seeing your priority in this time. Like, parents, if you're, you know, sitting down with your kids and saying this, you know, we're, we're, we're the church. We're still the church. This is the sermon. We're worshiping together. Like you're showing your kids that, but you're also showing your extended family that, that that's still priority. And that, you know, circumstances changed, but the church body of Christ has not changed. You know, when you're at home and you're not at school, you're still a student at home, whether you're at the school or not. So whether you're at this building, this campus, or whether you're at your home, the grocery store, um, don't stay at the grocery store too long. Um, but you're still a follower of Christ, and you're showing that to others. So that's, I guess that's the thing that I'm thinking about. It's a, it's a, honestly, like you were saying, it's a, it's a pretty awesome time to be able to show that yeah. to others. Well, it's also, you know, you think about that, how much do you pursue worship? Yeah. Um, do we pursue worship just because it's our <clears throat> habit to do so? Um, well, what happens when that's moved away, do we still have a, a thirst for it? A hunger for it and you know so many times believers define their Christian faith by what they do on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. um, well that's been removed so how, what do we go with now to define us as Christians um, it's still gonna be you worship you know you still pray you still read the Word of God you still love people um, but now it's it's not because you usher on a Sunday morning it's not because you are uh, you know help lead worship on a Sunday it's not because I'm preaching on a Sunday but it's because I am obeying God uh, throughout the week. And so uh, I think that's pretty healthy, too, um, to say so much of our Christian duty, so to speak, was about the gathering and not so much about the discipling. Um, and I, I think that's a real problem that makes an anemic Christian uh, church. Yeah. yeah. And it's been great hearing different stories about how God's been working amongst families within our church. It's been very encouraging to hear just that, how he's using this time and you're seeing families coming together for this time of worship. So I've really, there's been definitely ways, I've loved seeing the way God's working through all of this. Um, And so with that, that wraps up our Q&A time segment talking about Palm Sunday and just world church happenings for this time being. So thank you for watching slash listening to the Growing Faith podcast which formerly was the Q&A or something or another. Um, And Green Pines, you have left the building.